The title for today is uh, Three Gives. Three Gives. And uh, we're in the middle of a series in 1 Corinthians. And so uh, go ahead and turn to chapter 4. And uh, on Sundays, we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And on Wednesdays, we're going through 1 John. So uh, if you want to be really cool, um, what you can do is you can go ahead of me for Wednesday. Read 1 John chapter 5. That's what we're going to be talking about this Wednesday. Read 1 John 5. Write your own sermon. Get your journal out, get a pen and paper out, and just write what sticks out to you, what what is exciting to you, or what do you take note of in that chapter. Bring your notes to church this Wednesday, and let's see if what jumped out to me also jumped out to you. And uh, next week on Sunday, uh, we'll be uh, working on chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. Do the same thing, and uh, we will learn uh, the Bible together. Uh, I'm becoming increasingly more passionate about teaching the Bible in a systematic way, kind of precept upon precept versus grabbing different topics. And, uh, and this is why I feel like um, America uh, is becoming more and more secular uh, every single time we wake up. And, and what do I mean by secular? Secular, by definition, is to have no uh, spiritual basis. Uh, in other words, there's the decisions that are made in somebody's life do not have spiritual grounds or spiritual basis. Um, and when I watch television and, and uh, I see the news, I was watching the ESPY Awards the other night and I was just like, oh my goodness, this world is beginning to celebrate um, secular, secularism, sorry for butchering that, um, and anyone who believes in the Bible, it seems like they're kind of like, you know, uh, dumb or crazy or emotional. And, and that's just not the case at all. And, uh, and we have got to, those of us who love Jesus Christ, those of us who are living for Jesus Christ, we have got to understand the Bible. How many of you uh, went to Sunday school as a child and you had that green felt board? You know what I'm talking about? the green felt board where the teacher used to put those like little sticky things on there. And uh, if this is your first time in church in your entire life, you don't know what I'm talking about. But growing up in Sunday school, I used to put this little felt things like Noah's Ark. And and uh, it, a lot of the stories that we remember, we learned in children's church, but we can't stop learning. We got to continue to learn. And, uh, and, and what I'm concerned about, as I mentioned, if you're taking notes, write this down straight off the bat. The, the, uh, the church that we're studying uh, in 1 Corinthians, um, this particular church exchanged biblical beliefs for preferential beliefs. Biblical beliefs for preferential beliefs. In other words, yes, it might be in the Bible, but I don't prefer that to be in the Bible. And so... Um, yes, it might be in the Bible, but I just don't believe that, or uh, I'm not going to live that way, or I'm not going to embrace that truth because it's not preferable. Everybody say preferable on three. One, two, three. Preferable. All right, one, two, three. Preferable. It's not preferable. 
but it's biblical. And so we want to just concentrate on what's biblical. And anytime there's a clash between what's biblical and what's preferable, we got to come to God and say, Lord, I prefer what is not biblical. I prefer to do X, Y, and Z or to say X, Y, and Z. I know you don't want me to, but that's my preference. And we come before God and just be super honest about it. And then just allow God to begin to change our heart and to be, change our appetite. Um, I'm a little bit nervous uh, about talking about uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians um, because for the past five weeks, I have been butchering the name of the city, uh, Corinth. Did I say it right this time? Corinth. Every single Sunday for the last five weeks, I have gone home and my wife has looked at me and said, Frankie, I love you. Here it comes. You know, like, like that's a good intro. Hey, I want you to know I love you. Here we go. I love you, but you're saying Corinth wrong. And so how many of you have noticed that I have been saying it wrong? Go ahead and raise your hand. Be honest. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I even had uh, one of our worship leaders between services this morning say, Pastor, um, you know I love you, right? So here we go. <laughs> you know I love you. Um, uh, you're, you're, you're saying, uh, and she, she says it like really slow. You, you got to say core nth. And, and so here I am. I'm like, like I'm in kindergarten and I'm looking at her mouth. I'm going core nth. <laughs> So my wife shows up because she comes to the second service, and I said, oh, you're not going to believe this. And she's like, oh, I probably will. Um, and I was like, I'm butchering it still. And so uh, I said, you know what? I'm just going to change the series and start just preaching out of, like, Romans. <laughs> and, and the young girl that's on our worship team, she goes, why don't you just pick Acts? That's easier. <laughs> all right. So you know what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to shake it off. All right. I'm going to shake it off. to do it. We did that in the first service last week, so we figured we'd give throw you guys a bone as well. All right, here we go. Shake it off. That's not the title. Just wanted to uh, make sure. Uh, look at the person next to you and say, just shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> Some of you are starting to sing it. Don't get carried away. All right, here we go. Uh, there's three things that, that Paul talks about in this chapter. And, uh, and what he's saying is he's going, look, I'm going to give you three challenges. And if you just focus on these three challenges, you just, just focus on these three things, you won't drift. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a boat before and you, you turn around or you're floating on a raft in a pool and you open your eyes and you weren't where you just were just a second ago? You know what I'm talking about? It, we have a tendency to spiritually drift. And this church of Corinth was drifting. Did I do good? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the church of Corinth was drifting. And so Paul is like, look, you guys are all over the map right now. You're, you're becoming very secular. You're, you're pushing the Bible to the side. You're doing what you want to do. And there's a very important scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. Um, let me read it to you real quick. It reads like this. From the time, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them 
them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So let's just say, imagine there's somebody in this room named Joey. Uh, well, there might be a Joey. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, a Babalu. Let's say there's somebody in here uh, named Babalu, and, and you hear me preaching a scripture in the Bible. Uh, leave that verse up there if you would. You hear me preaching a scripture in the Bible, and that's not your preference on how to live. You hear me preaching it, but that's not your preference. And so you say to yourself, I don't like this preacher, <laughs> and I don't like this church, and that's not my preference. Let's go somewhere else. As soon as he puts his head down to pray, let's leave. Um, as soon as he looks to the right, let's go to the bathroom and not come back. And, and that's what that scripture is saying. It's saying there's going to come a time where people will search in the yellow pages. that They're going to search for teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Um, and so they were drifting. And so Paul says this. He goes, look, there's three areas that I'm going to talk about. If you just focus on these three areas, you won't drift. You won't drift. Look at the person next to you and say, you look hot today. You look hot. Feels good. Look at him again and say, are you losing weight? Are you losing weight? Gosh, you look like you're losing weight. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says this. So look at Apollos and me. They were both preachers in those days. As mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. It's our responsibility to teach this stuff. Now a person, now he's no longer just talking about himself. He's talking about people. He's talking about people in the church. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about the person next to you. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. For as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. So what he's saying, he goes, what you think about me? I don't care. In fact, what I think about me, I'm not even sure is accurate. That was pretty profound. Yeah. So the next time you're beating yourself up and you're like, I'm, I'm such a, I'm a, I'm a toad, I'm a toad, I'm, 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 I'm scum, I'm, I'm trash. You're not that bad. But the next time you're in the mirror going, you're not that good either. <laughs> Right? You're somewhere in the middle. And so he's saying, look, what you're saying about me, I don't care. And even what I think about me, I don't think what I think about me is very accurate either. He goes, but what I want you to do is to be faithful. And so I'm going to talk about three points today. And the first one is, is to, to, to be faithful. Give God your utmost. If you're looking for a daily devotional, go down to the Bible bookstore and get uh, my utmost for his highest. My utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. It's a phenomenal daily devotional. And it's just a little paragraph you read each day. It's very inspiring. But to give him your utmost. And so he's saying, hey, look. We have this tendency to drift, this, this tendency to start looking at other things. Uh, um, but if you just focus on giving him your utmost, your best, you won't drift. You see, a good servant will walk into the master's chambers once a day and say, what do you want me to do? 
What do you want me to do today? I'm living for you. What do you want me to do? Do you know when my life, my spiritual life is really doing good? I actually learned this in high school. Um, When my spiritual life is doing really, really good, I find myself finding encouraging things to say to people all the time. I remember distinctly being in high school and I was praying really hard and I I didn't live for the Lord very well in high school. I was not that good. But I'd have these spurts where I would do really good. And during these spurts, I learned that I would literally walk through the hallways and in my own 16-year-old way, I would see somebody and I'd go, hey, what's up? And I'd give them a fist bump. I'm like, hey, man, I just want you to know, I'm glad I know you. And I could see their face and go, eh, thanks, man. But in high school, that's not how you talk, right? So he's looking at me like, should I hit you or, or are we cool? Um, I'm like, hey, I'm glad I know you. And I'd walk into the locker room and I'd see, you know, the, the center on our basketball team. Hey, man, I just want you to know, I'm glad we're friends. Now, I'd have to say it in a certain way because I was 16, but I started noticing that the more I prayed, the more God would seem to just kind of put me on assignment. And and what he's saying is be faithful, and and faithfulness just means, Lord, I'm awake today. Uh, I'm here today. I got to go to work. I got to go sit in traffic. But is there anything you want me to do for you? Is there anything at all? that you want me to do for you. And there's this really cool scripture. Uh, I hope you put it on your notes. It's, it's in Psalms 32, verse 8. Um, uh, do, do you have it? I don't know if you guys have it. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in a way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, let's just say, uh, Presley, why don't you stand up? Here's my daughter, Presley. Um, give her a big round of applause. She's... 10 years old. Let's say I I look at Presley and and she doesn't know if she's supposed to start walking. This is kind of off the cuff. We didn't practice this. So let's just see if this illustration works. She doesn't, she's about, you're going to start walking to the right or to the left and you're going to go in the direction that I tell you to go. Okay. You ready? Watch this. That's pretty good, huh? Now watch this. Presley, I want you to go in this direction. I didn't say anything, but she could feel and see my desire. Yes. And that's what the Bible is saying. Give Presley a big round of applause, will you? That's, that's what this scripture is saying is when you're faithful, I will direct you with my eyes. Yes. You'll find yourself saying, I just feel like I need to, I feel like I should. I feel like I better hold it. I, you know, I had this email uh, up the other day and I was about to shoot this email to about seven different people. And I had this little prompt thing, check your inbox before you click send. And so I minimized it, checked my inbox one more time, and there were some more emails about that subject, and ended up needing to change my email before I sent my email out. What is that? That's just this little... That's right. This is the Lord saying, I will direct you with my eyes. And so Paul's saying, look, 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 I know there's tons of ways to get distracted, but just every day, would you just give your utmost to his highest? Would you just give him your best? Would you just, would you just, 
Oh, the whole world. I mean, everybody. It's the most popular thing in the world to be as secular as you possibly can. And Paul is saying this. Don't drift. Give them your utmost. He gave you his utmost. Can you give him your utmost? Look, here's the thing. We, we cannot come to church and play patty cake and get distracted by the lights and say, oh, we went to church today. That's awesome. But just because we're in the Bible Belt and there's a million churches, there's a bank or a church on every single corner around here. Here's the reality. We cannot get in routine. That's right. That's right. We've got to give them our utmost. And the first way to do that is just simply faithfully coming before him. And then the, the second sub point is to not be a man pleaser, a men pleaser. You know, it is so easy to get caught up into uh, doing things to keep people happy. Um, you know, you just want to keep the peace. Uh, you just want to keep the peace. And um, uh, Paul says this, look, 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 look. If you're not pleasing God, it doesn't matter who you're pleasing. Right. And here's the thing. You can't please a lot of people and please God at the same time. That's right. Did you hear that? Yeah. You cannot. Let me say it this way. You cannot please a lot of people and please God at the same time. You can't. Um, I got a, a, something I want to show you. Uh, I buy one of these for all of my kids. I only buy one for them, so if they lose it, they're in trouble. It's a Build-A-Bear. Anyone here have a Build-A-Bear in your house? I love these things. Um, I bought one for Presley when she was two. She's 10 now. And so uh, it, it looks like it's, it's been around. Because we call it alive. They're alive at a certain point. If they're too new, they're not alive. I'll preach, I'll preach about that one day. But um, I got this one for um, our youngest. She's almost two. Um, whenever I walk into the house... I call her, and when I call her, I don't call her by Kate, I call her like this. That's my call card for come give me a hug. So I'm like, bippity boppity boo, boo 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 boo, and she'll come around the corner. <laughs> I'll pick her up and we play. And um, Have you ever wondered where teddy bears come from? Uh, I have, and if you haven't, you're about to learn something about teddy bears today. Um, in 1904, November the 14th, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, which was an, he was an avid hunter, uh, he was invited by the governor of Mississippi to go hunting for bear. And, uh, and so they were hunting, hunting, hours and hours and hours went by. They saw no bear. They had these dogs that would go sniff around and try to corner a bear. And the dogs were like sitting around, you know, chewing on a stick. Um, they could not find one. Uh, so uh, President Roosevelt said, hey, guys, um, it's been nice. It's been real nice. Um, I'm out. I appreciate the time. I'm going home. As soon as he was on his way out of the forest, the dogs cornered a bear. And so the governor of Mississippi and the other gentlemen, um, they saw this bear that was cornered, and this bear was like a mangy old 
bear. It looks like it hadn't eaten in like six months. Just not one of those big grizzlies you see at the, the zoo. I mean, bones hanging out. It's just mangy looking. Uh, well, they lassoed it up. Any bear you can like lasso up, you have to wonder <laughs> how big of a bear was that? So they lasso up the bear and they tie it up against a willow tree. And they sent word to the president, hey, come on back. We got a bear. We're going to let you kill it. Talk about kissing up, huh? <laughs> Jeez. And so anyway, so the, the president comes back and he gets his gun out and he looks at the bear and he's like, this is not humane. Like, I can't feel good about this. I'm a hunter. I like to hunt. But you got a bear <laughs> tied up to a tree <laughs> and you're saying, shoot it. So he was like, I, I can't do this. Uh, so he's like, I'm, I'm not going to kill the bear. Uh, let the bear go. And uh, there was a comic that got put into, uh, that's the uh, picture of the original comic uh, that got put in the paper in 1904 where Theodore Roosevelt was saying, I'm not going to kill the bear. This just is not right. The guys around him were like, come on, Prez, pull the trigger. Come on, come on. It turned into a very, you know, egocentric, manly thing. And he's just like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not pulling the trigger. Let the bear go. Um, and so word trickled out. It went to the newspapers. It started spreading around the country uh, that Theodore Roosevelt opted to not kill this bear because it was tied up. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody decided to make this stuffed animal of a bear, and they, they had it sent to him. Uh, go ahead and show a picture of it. Uh, there he is. He's sitting with uh, the first uh, stuffed animal. And for those of you that know, Theodore Roosevelt was called Teddy Roosevelt, and they called it the Teddy Bear. Uh, and so now you know where teddy bears came from. Uh, so now, actually, put your hands together for all teddy bears in the world. Uh, and so this big, huge ripple effect uh, for, geez, over a hundred years now, this is one of the most coveted toys any child uh, in the world could ever have. And in fact, we sponsor an orphanage in Guatemala, and one of the toys that they want most, these kids, that literally their toys are dirt and rocks and sticks, um, we send them a teddy bear and they want that most. And the ripple effect of looking at those guys in the woods and saying, saying, hey, I know you want me to pull the trigger. I know that'd be pleasing to you. I'm not doing it. We, as Christ lovers, if we are going to give our utmost, not just on Sunday morning between 11 and 1230, if we are, this is going to be our lifestyle. There is going to be constantly moment after moment after moment after moment after moment in the morning, in the afternoon, whether uh, Allie mentioned this this afternoon, this morning, that your kids will pull it out of you. Oh my goodness. It, moment after moment after moment where you and I have got to decide are we giving our utmost? Are we giving our best? Are we giving our best? The second category. Uh, let me unpack that one. Let's begin to read uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. It reads like this. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if 
you had not received it. So he's asking two questions. He's asking the first question is, what makes you different? Who made you different? Who made you different? And what do you have that wasn't given to you? Why is he asking these questions? Because this church of Corinth, (laughs) church of Corinth, talk. Corinth, the church of Corinth, the church of Corinth, 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 you got corns on your toes, Corinth, 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 church of Corinth, church of Corinth, I speak for a living if you haven't figured that out yet, the church of Corinth, um, they weren't worshipers, they'd show up to church, but they wouldn't worship, they acknowledged God, but they weren't worshipers. And the reason why they weren't worshipers is because they were not impressed with God. The only people who worship God are people who are impressed with God. That's right. And so Paul says to these people, he goes, in so many words, if you read the chapter, you're not worshiping because you're impressed with yourself. You you are doing pretty good. Your life is doing pretty good. These people were well off. This church was well. These people were well off. They, 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 they lived well. And Paul says this. He goes, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Who made you different? Different from who? Different from the people that aren't doing as well as you. Who made you different? Here's an interesting study. You guys want to have a a Sunday afternoon experimentation field trip? Leave here today and go to St. Luke's Hospital. Go to United Methodist. It's only about seven minutes away. I go there all the time. Walk the hallways. You're going to see people in there that are your age. Some of them are younger. Some of them are older, but they're in the hospital. Most of them were there last night. Most of them will be there tonight. You know, there's people in our city, in our city, the Woodlands, maybe the city you live in, Spring, Conroe, Montgomery. They eat on a regular basis. I know this as a fact. Bread and butter on most meals. Bread and butter. If Paul were here, he would say to you, you're not worshiping, you're not impressed, but who made you different? Isn't it God? Didn't God sovereignly decide to make your life a little bit more pleasant? Wasn't it God who did that? And then he backs up and he asks the second question. He goes, what do you have that wasn't given to you? You don't have anything that wasn't given to you. He makes these really bold points and the, the, the people within this church, they, they backed up and they were very um, put out and they were put off by the simple fact that he was asking these questions and he backed up and he goes, yes, your talents. He goes, some of you, and, and now this is just me putting it in my words. Have you ever met uh, somebody who can sell ice to an Eskimo? Uh, a guy came to our house years ago selling a Hoover vacuum. 
And uh, he rang the doorbell, and I said, thank you. We already have a vacuum. I don't need a vacuum. Uh, he's like, can I just have five minutes of your time? I was like, I don't need a vacuum. Somehow or another, he was in my house. He got in my house. I'm sitting there offering him water. And, uh, and he turns on his vacuum. He takes a golf ball. He puts it on top of the vacuum hose, flips on the Kirby vacuum. The Kirby vacuum was so strong that it made the golf ball levitate in the air. And I'm sitting there going, my vacuum does not do that. Then he goes, can I see your bed? I'm like, no, you, no, no. He, he, he ends up in my bed. And this guy was a salesman, man. He, he, he peels back the covers. He puts the hose on my, sucks dirt from Japan. <laughs> right from China. This is the strongest Herbie vacuum I've ever seen in my life. And he puts it on this black cloth and goes, you're sleeping on this every night. And I'm like, I'll take five. But... <laughs> We didn't buy a vacuum. We didn't buy a Herbie vacuum. But I'm sitting here listening to this guy. I'm like, this guy can sell anything. This guy, you take him and you drop him in the Sahara Desert, he'll sell sand for a profit. This guy could sell anything. Have you ever met anybody that could sell like that? Where did he get that gift? Where did he get that gift? These gifts and talents. Some of you, you, you can write. And, and some of you, you, your education may have got you where you are. You've got such a, such a great job because of your education. But other people went to your school. There were other women and men that went to your school. There were other kids that went to the same elementary school, the same middle school, the same high school that you did. Those of you that went to college, that went to the same college you did, why aren't they doing as well as you? Didn't God do something special within you? Did he not do something special within you? And so he's looking at the church of Corinth and he goes, come on, can we not give him the honor? That's the second point. Can we not give him the honor? We don't drift when we wake up in the morning and we're giving him our utmost. We're not just casual. You can be casual about so many things. You can be casual about how often you do your grass. You can be casual about whether or not you put your makeup on this morning or not. You can be casual about so many things. But Paul's saying, don't be casual about your relationship with Jesus Christ. This can't be casual. Give him your utmost and then give him the honor that he deserves. Give him the honor that he deserves. Goodness, there's people all over the world that don't have a fraction of what you have, but I, but I need more. You probably legitimately do and we're not making light of that. But can you still give him the honor of what he's given you? He begins to unpack uh, a few more thoughts. Um, you know, there's this, uh, I, I saw a garden recently. I don't know if we have a, a picture of it or not, but this, this garden of this beautiful area, um, uh, it's got these flowers and these tropical plants all over the place. And uh, can you imagine if all of a sudden a garden just began to talk out loud? and say, um, look how beautiful I am. Wouldn't that be amazing if a garden could just start talking? Look how gorgeous I am. Look at these plants. Look at these flowers. Look at all this. Um, 
And you and I would back up and go, did you not receive that beauty? We would notice the brook of water that's behind it. We would notice what is feeding it. And we would think that the garden is foolish to talk about such things. Last and final point that I want to share is the greatest gift. So we give God the honor. We give God our utmost. And then we give away the greatest gift. Um, uh, I don't know if any of you read this magazine, but there's a magazine called Ministry Today. And um, my mother in the Lord, Jeannie Mayo, was on the cover of it. And uh, she's 65 years old. Okay, 65. Raise your hand if you're younger than 65. 65 years old. She's still a youth pastor. She's been a youth pastor for over 40 years. Um, and uh, she's just, she's got, it, there are so many people in this world that are in the ministry um, because of her. Well, this um, magazine, they, they called me up to uh, do the story. And I was telling them the story, and uh, I told the reporter the story, and she goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. She goes, you mean to tell me you are 19 years old? living in Beaumont, Texas, and she lived in Rockford, Illinois, and she called you every single day for nine months until you moved up there to go to Bible college in the internship. I said, oh, look, I don't want to exaggerate. I think there was four days we missed. <laughs> she goes, she called you every day. I said, yes. Every single day. Hey, Frankie, this is mom. You have the call of God on your life. I'd love to intern you at our church. Hey, Frankie, you've got the call of God on your life. You need to move up here. Hey, Frankie, I know you want to be rich. That's not the call of God on your life. <laughs> you need to come up here. Hey, Frankie. Hey, Frankie. Hey, Frankie. Hey, Frankie. Hey, Frankie. Do you know what in First uh, Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, not in First Timothy, uh, in verse 16 in the chapter we're studying of chapter 4, it says, so I urge you to imitate me. When you look up urge, it says to persistently persuade for nine months, Frankie, 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 Frankie. So I'm telling the, this reporter this. She's freaking out. I said, so I end up moving there. I moved there a year and a half after I'm there. Jeannie goes to speak at some conference in Canada. She comes back and she goes, Frankie, um, I think I met your wife. I'm like, well, where is she? <laughs> she goes, no, I think I met your wife. Um, her, her name is, uh, I think it's, it's Allie. I'm like, I can work with Allie. I can work with Allie. Nine months later, she brings Allie down. Four days later, we're dating. Two years later, she's walking down the center aisle and we're married. And 13 or 15 years later after that, or no, 13 years after that, I'm standing in front of you and she's sitting on the front row right now. This is... All this. Now watch this. What is she doing right now? Let me show you a few pictures of what she's doing right now. Um, this, is, this is taken this year. She hasn't stopped. Um, this is her with uh, some youth pastors. Uh, they went bowling the other day. Um, 
she's not even trying to be 20. (laughs) She's 65. And she's still urging because she understands that the more she pulls people, pulls people right now, today, she has interned and mentored over 1,000 youth pastors. Now, what does she do on Wednesday night? She's in youth service every Wednesday night, dealing with kids, middle school, high school kids, every single Wednesday night. What is she doing? She won't stop urging. She won't stop pulling. She won't stop calling. She won't stop calling. She won't stop urging because she knows, she knows that what she has, she has got to transfer that passion. She has to transfer that passion. She knows she has to transfer that passion. She's got to. She's got to. She's got the greatest news in the world. And I'm telling you what, when she met me, I was the most casual, most relaxed, super cool Christian in the world. And now look at me. I got a sweaty shirt. (laughs) I'm trying my best to preach my heart out, and I can't even say Corinth, Corinth. (laughs) Point in case. Because it's all about, it's the biggest gift, is saying, look, you got to come to church with me. Look, you, you got to love God. Look, 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 this is right. I know it may not be your preference, but, but it's God's preference, which you got to pick one. You can't pick both. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. You, you, you can't eat a jelly donut and run five miles at the same time. You got to pick one. <laughs> you got to pick one. Which one's it going to be? Which one's it going to be?